0: Well, you pushed play, and that was a great start for you and for us. This is Amateur Hour, the 16th edition in the year 2021 of our podcast that is dedicated to the draft, but then again, it's dedicated to the amateur baseball player, the stories behind their journeys, many of them college athletes, some of them high school baseball players. Mm but gosh of the 16 we we put together this year we've seen guys jump in the first round we've heard their stories their dedications to their academics to their families to their heritage to their background um you know we've had some some tearful moments some laughing moments some frustrating moments and that's what baseball is right and so uh Danny Wexelman and I are glad that you found this podcast uh, this is a good one this is a couple of guys that may fly a little bit below the radar uh, of the bigger names when you look at the draft for next year, but guys in Justin Janice at Illinois, who's one of the great on base machines, period, in this country. And then the, the evolution of Alabama based Zane Denton, who plays on to honor his father and uh, the brotherhood he has at home and the strong mom that he has. You produced a good one this time, Danny.
1: Oh, yeah. This Zane story, obviously, I think is impactful and kind of touches us a little bit more than normal because we hear about how his dad impacted his life and his baseball career so far and their family that he grew up in and all of his brothers are involved in the sport his mom is the backbone and you know I think what's special is that he's still carrying on his dad's legacy and his you know the the advice and and the moments are right there in front of him and the kid can mash i mean alabama baseball is good there's a ton of names on that roster and zane denton is one that that stands out to us not only for what he's doing on the field but just the story and the legacy that he's carrying on with his dad and then justin janice we don't get we don't get a lot of time to talk about big 10 baseball and he's at Illinois. And the reason I found him is because we had talked to Dan Hartlib um, a couple of weeks earlier on the college baseball show. And I wanted to go look at his roster because he had mentioned Justin's name. And Justin's cool because he admits his freshman year wasn't great, wasn't awesome first to admit it. So after COVID hit, he put in the work and then he earns the big 10 conference batting title, all while not even hitting a home run. So he's, he's impressive. And by the way, his story inspiring as well. I think, you know, we really hit the tear jerk moment here. He donated uh, bone marrow, bone marrow to his brother, Jeremy, who was diagnosed with leukemia at a young age and his brother's doing great now. But I mean, wow, can you even imagine being asked to do something like that for your brother? He was, he raised his hand, Justin did all for it and uh, not only is he a great human he's a great baseball player.
0: Yeah, this is a really good one Janice. I'm not much into batting titles as you know. I do know he had a 506 on base. That's what I do know that he got on base 51% of the time. Both these young men courageous in their life journeys certainly. Um the college side you mentioned uh, our college show Hunter Pence co-hosts with us on that show Perfect Game College Baseball. We have Ben Hall that we're going to take a slice of that, put it in this show. Um, he's the coach at an HBCU and so his perspective is very welcome uh, at North Carolina A&T just a little bit of that I thought it'd be cool uh, and you reached out to our scouts Vinny Servino and Brian Sikowski talking about a great mock draft that perfect game put together it's never too early the folks at MLB are doing it as well and then Vinny talking about the top 300 hell of a podcast Danny well done
1: We did it. And what's exciting is our last one of the season, but there's a lot to come for next year. And while there is a lockout going on, we're still covering baseball and we're covering the future of the game. And there's a lot of stories to tell. So stick with us and stay here. Maybe we'll we'll give you a little something to talk about.
0: Yes. And there is a good chance there will be an amateur hour lockout, but stay tuned for for the details (laughs) of that at the very end of this podcast. You have to listen for now.
1: I am so excited to catch up with you, Justin, because, oh yeah, wait, I want to ask you how to pronounce your last name. Janice. It is Janice, just like it looks. Okay, cool. All right. I'm super excited to catch up with you because we had your head coach, Dan Hartlib on the radio show last week and just kind of exciting to hear what's going on in Illinois and how exciting the program is right now but your name obviously popping up on my radar once I started to do my research a little bit more and on this podcast we like to give love to every corner of the baseball community. And sometimes we don't get a chance to always give love to the Midwest, to the big 10 and, and to those schools, because we sometimes spend too much time focusing on the other schools. Um, So I'm excited to catch up with you. So welcome to amateur hour. Welcome to the podcast. Darren's not here. So we'll give him trouble for this another time and make sure he knows he missed a good one. But I want to talk about baseball and the batting title and all that good stuff. But really the thing that drew me to you was that little nugget that's in your bio about donating bone marrow to your brother. I believe his name is Jeremy. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So your brother, Jeremy, who battled leukemia, you happen to be a match. So I would just love to hear the story and tell me, you know, what's going on with Jeremy now and how this all came about.
2: Yeah, so, um, so yeah, basically, uh, so when my brother was, uh, younger, I believe he was in like around like sixth grade, uh, something like that. So I want to say like 12 or 13. Um, yeah, he got diagnosed with, uh, leukemia cancer. Um, so yeah, that was like tough, but, um, he, uh, we, he basically needed, uh, he needed bone marrow and, uh, he he needed uh to find like a blood match um so obviously we went to our family first to see if anyone had like uh like a perfect blood match and uh yeah i was i was the one that had a perfect blood match with him um but at the time like i was very very young uh i don't even know how old i was i was like probably around 7 or 8 so at like the time i kind of i had like a good idea of what was going on but like I didn't really know, like, how, like, how severe, like, the whole situation was, Um, but yeah, so basically, um, I just, I just remember, like, my parents, like, telling me, like, oh, like, you're gonna, you're gonna help out your brother, like, you're doing a good thing, and, like, as, like, a little kid, like, I was really just excited to, like, help my brother out, so I didn't think anything of it, like, I wasn't, like, nervous or anything at all, so yeah, no, like, that day came, like, Gave my brother bone marrow. Um, helped him out a lot, and yeah, basically, long story short, uh, he's been cancer-free for a while now. So, yeah, no, it's just it was a good thing that happened for sure. So,
1: it it's amazing. I mean, I don't think that we get to hear these stories enough. And also the fact that you were a perfect match. And because I know that can be difficult for people yeah. to find donors and to find perfect matches. And your parents are like, all right, kid, not only yeah. are you going to be, you know, his brother for life, but now you're basically saving his life. What's the relationship like now and and how's Jeremy doing?
2: Uh, our relationship now is great. Uh, we talk every day. We'll play video games every night. Um, right now he's uh he's doing really good he's uh he's working from home with my mom doing some like medical billing uh stuff but yeah overall he's been he's been doing really good uh so yeah pretty much that's yeah that's it I don't know that was it's a good thing yeah so like he pretty much just lives like lives at home does his daily things with like work and stuff and then yeah, at night he has off. So we always link together and play video games and stuff. So, it's always but a do good you,
1: thing. do you think about like how big of a deal it is that you did that? So, you, you know, your, your coach, coach Hartlove didn't know that that's something that you did. I know that it wasn't necessarily you raising your hand, but the fact that you were able to do that, I, I just, I, I don't know. I think the world of it, I mean, we, we get so hyper-focused on especially in the sports world you know what are the stats you know what was this season like how did you do in the field you know numbers and just being really obsessed with those things that sometimes we forget that there's bigger things happening in the world and like have you like had a chance or do you I'm sure when you get this question really think about the impact that you were able to have
2: uh yeah no I definitely I definitely think about it uh Like me and him, we don't, we don't talk about it like that much, but like, I know like every once in a while, like my mom, like will bring it up to me. Like when we're just talking, like how I, yeah, how I basically like saved his life. So it's, it's definitely like a special connection that we'll have forever. So yeah, that's just, that's something that's really cool. Um, I, I was obviously more than happy to do it, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really good thing.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, I'm glad we got to, to talk about that and hear more about it, because that's, I think, one part of who you are. There's, you know, this other part on the field. And I kind of want to start with your freshman year, that COVID season that really didn't go your way. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at some of the numbers, a shortened season already, and it, it was probably really tough to get off on a the not the right foot that you were hoping for and then have the season canceled, but it's what you did after that, that kind of sounds like made all the difference for you. So can you kind of describe the mentality as that season ended, when you found out that it was canceled and then what you did to make sure that that didn't happen again?
2: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, freshman year, um, obviously, yeah, like you said, like freshman year did not go my way. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of like an eye-opening experience, like, you kind of, you kind of get, like, a good idea of how, like, college baseball is, how kind of quick the game, like, speeds up on you, um, so basically what I took from freshman year is, uh, so yeah, as soon as the season ended from COVID, uh, I told myself going into this quarantine that I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, like, my whole, like, diet up, I'm gonna really get after it in the gym, so basically all of quarantine, I, uh, I like wrote, I kind of wrote out like a diet plan, uh, that I followed with like one of my trainers, um, that I followed every day. And then, uh, then I pretty much had like a workout plan also that I followed every day. So pretty much every day throughout that whole quarantine, uh, I just stuck with that whole diet, uh, really got after it in the weight room, uh, really kind of just transformed my body, um. Then right after that quarantine, we, uh, I had my first uh, summer ball season in the Northwoods. Um, so yeah, then I was, then I was running around every day playing games. Um, and then, yeah, when I got back to uh, campus, uh, my sophomore year, uh, a lot of like coaches and everyone was kind of like shocked to see like, kind of like my body transformation and like how much it just really overall like helped me uh, move around on the field, um, kind of just be just be more explosive really kind of just I don't know feel a lot better on the field for sure so
1: well you clearly took leaps I, I buried yeah. the lead here because you won the big Ten batting title last season but you you said that you tried to simplify your swing not only did you lose weight you added muscle you leaned yourself down but you added muscle and power you said that you tried to simplify your swing so tell me what you were doing right after your freshman season and how you changed your swing give me some specifics on that
2: uh so yeah like basically uh after my freshman uh season like kind of with my swing like i kind of noticed like i don't know when i'm when i'm swinging like when things are going bad that's when i'm usually like thinking a lot like thinking about every possible thing with my swing uh all different kinds of things so I kind of told myself like over quarantine leading up into like my sophomore year, I'm just going to keep it as simple as possible. I mean, like your swing, you've been, I've been swinging a bat for so long. So it's like your swing's not just going to change on you. It's a lot of your swing has to do with like the mental aspect. So I just kind of told myself to just keep everything nice, short, simple swing. Um, I followed that throughout the whole sophomore year fall. Um, It played out really well. And then... And just simplifying things uh, kind of cleared my mind at the plate. Um, didn't really think a lot, kind of just like a C ball, hip ball mentality. Um, Cause I've, I've always had like good hand-eye coordination, like good bet ball skills. So I just, I just told myself like, stop, stop thinking so much at the plate, just, just trust it, trust your hands. And yeah, that's been, that's been playing out for me for a little bit now. So kind of, kind of just hope to just keep the same approach in see what happens from there.
1: How rewarding is it to know that the work you put in paid off big time? Because I think two things that stood out to me, just reading about you and trying to do my homework is number one, you said you didn't look at your stats except for once last season to check in. You, you didn't want to know, you didn't want to see the numbers because you, you know, I, I totally understand that you just want to do your thing. And obviously if the results are happening on the field, they're happening in the stat books too. But the other thing that stood out is you didn't hit a home run last season and you won a batting title. Do you, do you think about that and realize I feel like that's very impressive that you were able to do that. But what do you think about that?
2: Um, honestly, like personally, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really thinking a whole about it or a whole bunch about it. I was just kind of just, I was having success. I was just kind of like, whatever, like whatever happens, I'm just going to keep, uh, just keep hitting the ball. But no, yeah. Like my teammates, definitely. They, they always let me know, like, they would let me know during the season, like, Hey, like you still, you still don't have a home run. They would, they would mess around with me for it, but I don't know. I just, I just kept on playing. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really think about it that much at all.
1: Well, the approach is working and the strategy is working. Right. So why, why mess with it? Why you obviously went to fix it. You, you saw where you had some holes, you saw where you could grow and and you put in the work. So what does the work look like now? Because, you know, now that you've established yourself and you found the rhythm and you found the groove and that's really hard to do. Like you said, you've been swinging the bat the same way your entire life. And now you've switched it up. You've found massive success in this season. So this coming season, this was technically, is this your sophomore season coming up?
2: Uh, Yeah, technically this would be like my COVID sophomore season. Um, But yeah, technically right now I'm I'm a junior, but yeah, technically still a COVID sophomore.
1: Okay. So what has your work and your off-season prep looked like heading into season number two and a half here?
2: Um honestly just kind of keeping the same same like routine that's that's been working for uh these this past like year and a half I kind of I kind of just like to find something that works for me so basically like uh I I just like to keep like a normal like hitting routine and that's uh like basically I like to just get into the cage um like first couple rounds I just like to really let the ball travel let it get deep really kind of just feel their hands out um kind of work a little bit left side uh and then like second to third third or fourth or third or fourth round just kind of catch the ball out in front a little bit more kind of spray balls up the middle um honestly like this I, I'm just keeping like the same thing just kind of just keeping it uh, simple just I don't know kind of just see hip or see ball hit ball and that's kind of what I've just been doing even in the cages I kind of keep the same mentality as in the batter's box so That's kind of what I've been doing.
1: What do you say to kids out there who are too afraid to change their swing or don't know how to start that process because they've just been doing the same thing for so long? Or, you know, I I feel like I cover a lot of amateur baseball. I cover a lot of high school kids and middle school kids who are watching the pros and they're just trying to copy exactly what they're doing even though that might not work for them do you have advice for someone who is trying to sort this out and find their success swing so to speak
2: yeah um i mean i would i would kind of say like i don't know it's it's hard just to try to copy someone else's swing like every every individual is going to have their own swing you can't really just tell someone like you can't really just copy off off of someone else so what i would say is just kind of like uh just kind of just like find out what works for you uh kind of find out like a kind of just find out find out like an approach that really helps you like just kind of just see the ball um really just like kind of let the let the ball travel I I like to say a lot of hitting is all about like your timing Mm -hmm. kind of just get it going early uh get your timing going early and that's what really kind of just helps out.
1: You also said that you plan to coach after your playing career, which I think is pretty cool. So you obviously are hoping for a very long, successful playing career, pro career, but who are the people who've kind of inspired that thought, who, whether it's coach Hartlib or before him, who maybe you felt like I, I like what you're doing. I, I want to do that in my future too, one day.
2: Um, basically, uh, my whole travel ball organization leading up to college, uh, all my coaches that I had kind of, uh, inspired me. And, um, so basically, basically my uncle is, a has been like a coach for my travel team for a long time. And I kinda, I've been around him for a long time, kind of just saw like his coaching styles and stuff and how good he is working with kids. Um, and I kind of just figured that that's something I really want to do. I kind of, I kind of just really like helping people get better. So yeah, I would definitely say uh, like my travel ball coaches and all the connections I built from my travel organization kind of led me up to like thinking that I kind of want to do this in the future coaching. So.
1: What kind of coach do you think you'd be? What, what are, what's like one or two things that you feel like, you're like, okay, this is what I would bring to the table. This is why I would be really good at this.
2: Um. I would say, I would say definitely like a hitting coach would be type of, type of coach I would want to be, I don't know, I've, I've personally found success, so I could bring that to the table from like experience and I don't know, just kind of help kids figure out their swing, kind of help people find out what works for them, kind of change the whole mentality, like a lot of hitting, like I said, is like all mental. So Mm -hmm. you kind of, it's all about your thinking process, like when you're all like when you're at the plate, so i would I would really just let them know, just kind of just keep your same swing. I don't know, just kind of change your whole mental aspect of the hitting game. So I don't know that's something I would probably teach or bring to the table.
1: Last one for you is just what it's like, maybe being kind of a normal college student. things are hopefully back to a little bit of normalcy or, or what you know to be normal right uh, heading into yeah. this year back on campus like how is that is it nice to kind of feel like you're actually a college student a, a college athlete
2: yes for sure I mean like yeah going going to class um seeing like all like just walking around like the whole campus just seeing seeing a bunch of people every day bunch of people in your class it's definitely definitely way nicer than last year last year we were kind of just all locked up in our apartments just basically at the field in the weight room or at our apartment but now it's kind of nice to be able to just walk around see people like everything's pretty much opened back up so it's it's a lot better this year just just kind of it's, it feels like it's everything's kind of back to normal again which is great.
1: That's awesome, dude. Well, I really appreciate your time. Congratulations on putting in the work and seeing the fruits of your labor uh, last season. And and we look forward to watching you this coming season with Illinois and and seeing what you can do at the plate. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you for having me.
0: You know, you wrap summer baseball, fall baseball at the high school level. You wrap fall baseball at the college level. Then you look to a guy like Vinny Servino and you say, okay, what do you see? Because Vinny is the leader of the college content for Perfect Game. The coaches return his calls. They explain to him who's doing what. And so for Vinny Servino, as he records for us on this podcast, we ask him to open up his notebook with his scout eyes and tell us a little bit about the top 300 heading into the 2022 draft.
3: Perfect Game draft board has been released on the website, and we go to 300 deep, which roughly equates to about the top 10 rounds of the major league draft. Leading the way is Tamar Johnson and Elijah Green at our one and two spots. Uh, We believe these two to be not only the best in their high school classes, but across the country, uh, including collegiate and junior college players as well. Uh, Andrew Jones, the son of former Gold Glover for the Braves and World Series champion, is also kind of in that that top three in terms of prep bats. Uh, All three had great summers and really established themselves as top five prospects. The top collegiate players are Chase DeWater from James Madison and Brooks Lee from Cal Poly. DeWater is a big, tools-up, physical center center fielder who has power and can run and can defend pretty well. He had an amazing summer in the Cape Cod League, whereas Lee is a shortstop who's playing for his father out of Cal Poly and turned down uh, quite a bit of money coming out of high school to go to school. He's a switch hitter with a plus-hit tool from both sides. He's not a lot to stay short, but he has excellent hands, feel, and internal motor. Uh, the top prep arm on our board is Dylan Lesko, right-hander from Georgia. Uh, he's a terrific pitching prospect who kind of checks every box you're looking for. He's big. He's got fastball touch, 97, 98 miles an hour. His changeup is one of the best pitches in this class, regardless of high school or college. And the break balls continue to make really good strides. Following Lesko and Jones in the draft board, we have Gavin Cross, Jace Young, and Robert Moore and Brock Jones from the college ranks. Cross led the ACC in hitting last year. The big physical prospect who isn't too dissimilar from Heston Kirstad, the former number two overall pick a couple years ago. Jung is the brother of Josh Young, Rangers prospect, who has massive power and was a bona fide Golden Spikes candidate. Robert Moore is the son of Royals GM Dayton Moore, and he has big power for both sides of the plate while also probably being a solid defender at shortstop given the chance. And ten is Brock Jones, a former two sport athlete at Stanford. He has football athleticism that really, really aids him in center field and had eighteen home runs last year.
0: Well, holidays, right? I mean, what makes it so fun around the holidays is when we connect with our athletes who are just exceptional. It's so much fun to, to get to know them. Is that their home, you know, they're reconnecting with their roots They're reconnecting with their brothers in this game with their buddies, with their dad uh, and the memory of their dad and, and, and their mom and, and the strength that she has. That's, that's, that's who Zane Denton is. And um, that, that's who he is as a leader. And um, it, it's just, When we get to know Zane and who he is at Alabama, we understand why we're excited to go home with him. But if I'm going to go anywhere, Zane, and thanks for hanging out with us, we really appreciate it, man. Happy holidays to you and your family. Um, If I'm going to go anywhere, I want to go like, dude, what's it like to hit a grand slam in the Little League World Series? I mean, I know we're talking about the man version of you, and we want to talk about some deeper things. But, you know, first of all, we all dream of playing in the Little League World Series. At 52, that's passed me by. (laughs) But dude, you hit a slam. You were two wins away from going to the big game. What was that like?
4: It was hands down the craziest the craziest baseball experience I've ever had and it really made me love baseball so much just cuz I'd always dreamed of playing in the league run series as well and when it actually happened it was just so surreal that I mean it was hard to take it all in at the time. It was it was just it was that special for me.
0: So as you get a little bit older and you've played in the sec and you've heard crowds love and hate you, that's what the good compliment is when you go on the road to a place like Oxford, we know what that's like. Um, But what, what was that crowd like now that you're a little older and you're a man and you're, you know, a step away from being a pro where uh, it'll probably be quieter for a few years in the minor leagues. What was that crowd like? Like, if you look back now, what was the sound like? What did it mean to you? What was it all about?
4: It was, I just remember how loud it was and, like, as a baseball player, you tend to kind of block that stuff out. But when it gets that loud, you keep, like, there's no way of blocking it out. You know it's there. You got to deal with it. But I I loved it so much just because it gives you so much energy. You just feed off it. And it's it was really a special experience. And it kind of gave me that motivation that I want that in, the, in my future. So it kind of gave me that little extra motivation to keep working hard.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was going to say, does that cement things? Does a moment like that say – all right. I think this is what I want to try and do for my job. As long as they'll let me do it. Does a moment like that and a trip like that, you're a baby. Let's be honest. You're a baby. But did sure. that, cement, did that cement, cement your commitment to baseball?
4: Absolutely. I I wanted, I wanted knew right then I wanted to play baseball for the rest of my life and for as long as I could.
1: Well, obviously it's paying off right now. And I, I wanted to rewind real quick to opening weekend weekend last year do you feel like opening weekend last year you hit two home runs that people finally knew a little bit about who you were and what you were going to bring to the table to Alabama to SEC baseball
4: absolutely I I was just happy to get off to a good start it's a lot easier when you start off season not in a hole and you're not trying to dig yourself out of a hole all season but actually that my first home run the walk-off home run was on my birthday so that was really special moment for me
1: oh my god I can't even imagine what that feeling is like you know because you're just out there probably trying to play the game and your your birthday is is secondary and everything else is secondary but you're just trying to compete with the best and I mean you said Alabama has an incredible roster I know you know I'm familiar Darren and I with a bunch of those guys and I'm excited that we get to learn more about you but in doing that, I think is looking at your family and your family's history in the game, brother Bryce played in the Cardinals organization. You're playing at Alabama. Your brother miles is in high school, uh, in the 2022 class, your brother chase works in the sport. Like take us back to growing up in a family that clearly loves the game. What was that like? And what are some of your, your fondest memories?
4: So, uh, I mean, every day growing up here, we were going to the cages, going to the field. So it our whole life was baseball and we loved it. We didn't know anything else. So I mean, that's just carried over our whole lives. We still go, we still all go hit together and we we pretty much do everything together. But so yeah, it's I I have to give it all to my dad. He he loved baseball. He taught us everything we knew. He was always he's always at the cages with us. So that's really where our love for baseball came from.
1: Yeah. And maybe if you could, you know, share your dad's name and kind of expand on the impact that he had on your family. And um, maybe if you remember the first time that, you know, he put a bat or ball in your hand. Um, I lost my dad when I was younger. I played softball. So I know the impact um, that he had on me as a softball player, as a person where I am today. Like I, I, you know, I definitely understand that, but maybe if you could share that experience with us.
4: Oh, well, I'm sorry about that. And, uh, yeah. so he, he really taught me everything I know about this game. So he had the biggest impact of anybody on my life. And this, I know it's the same with my brothers. He, he taught us everything we know since, I think my first game was when I was like three, so he started us early, and he would always tell me stories about when I was like one or two years old, swinging a a back scratcher or something in our our living room, so there's a lot of funny memories there.
0: Yeah, the insights, go ahead, continue your thoughts.
4: Well, his his name was Danny Denton, too, and he was kind of known around this area for the guy with four little boys, always taking them to the cages, so. He left a legacy
0: here yeah february of 2014 walter malcolm denny denton uh, gave part of his life as, as keeping us safe as a member of the air force uh, and then got people from here to there in a, in a wonderfully respected career as a pilot um but but i've got to know you you shared a story that that i did want to know a little bit more about how does one hit splash balls with a back scratcher I, I, i'd like to be with your dad and be with your brothers and just figure out what that looks like. Give me the best audio description you can, please.
4: Okay, so we're we're in our living room. We're usually watching a baseball game. We, we would always watch the Cardinals when I was growing up. And one of us would grab a back scratcher and another one of us would wrinkle up paper into a little ball. And so it would just, it started there and we'd go all night, just try to hit home runs over the couch, so.
0: We did so Those, that are, those are fond memories, right? I mean, those Absolutely. are fond, fond memories. Do, do those memories sometimes, if you didn't have any offers last year, you had a whole bunch of hitting mm-hmm. streaks, but so. when you have an offer, or when you have an offer week where you feel like you've had an offer, I'm guessing those memories kind of ground you a little bit, huh?
4: They do. They, they help you like simplify things. Just like, why am I stressing over how I'm playing right now? This game's supposed to be fun. That's, I love this game. So that's what that stuff helps when you're struggling because there's a lot of struggles in this game. So you got to have memories like that to kind of remind yourself why you play. it.
0: And and you heard Danny talk about her personal journey, much like her personal journey is yours that you have to have a strong woman then to guide you. And and your mom, Tracy, for a quarter century has been a, a big help at the Vanderbilt medical center, a leader, certainly. Um, but help us understand, you know, how you went through it with mom and now who mom is in your life. The, the mom with four gregarious baseball loving boys. Tell us a little bit about your mom.
4: So my, my mom's my hero. She, she's the strongest woman I know. And I was just lucky to have three brothers along with me when my dad ultimately passed away, but we, I, I felt so bad for her, but she's the strongest person I know. And our goal now is just to be here for whatever she needs.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, that's, I mean, incredible to hear. I, I can imagine how difficult it was, but she's got all of you guys, right. To be there for her. What, what, what are the holidays look like for you guys? You know, are you all back home together? Do you get to get in the cage together? Do you guys have some traditions that you have with mom?
4: Yeah. So, Three of us are back right now. Bryce isn't back right now. He's he's out of town, but uh, we're all back and we're just, we've are just been training, lifting, and hitting. But uh, coming up soon, our, our grandparents don't live far from here, so they'll be coming over. So we usually just have Christmas here at home with a bunch of our family. So that should be the same this year.
1: You talked about strength. I, I'm not sure if this nickname applies to you, Zane, but is your nickname Zeus?
4: It is. Yes, ma'am.
1: And who gave you that nickname?
4: It was actually, it's a family nickname. So it started with Chase. For some reason, he had the nickname Juice and then moved to Bryce, being Bruce, and then just kept going to me.
1: I love that. I mean, it's obviously, it's, it's applying to your life, though, very much now with baseball. Is there, you know, is there a feeling of pride that that is a name that you're carrying right now?
4: I can't say it. I I can't lie. I, I do like it, but I try not to be the first one to say it about myself because that doesn't usually come off too well.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, w- listen, we appreciate that very much. Your brother, Bryce, we haven't really talked a lot, a lot about him, but just the impact. I mean, what kind of conversations have you been able to have with him and the experience that he's had, you know, and he had in pro ball that he, maybe he's been able to pass down to you?
4: Yeah, it's, it's been a huge help for me just to be able to see the process he went through when he got drafted. It kind of just it educated me on what I was getting myself into and just being able to see what he went through, through the minor leagues. It, I mean, it, now I feel like I know what to expect and I know what to work for. And like, we've had a, real, a lot of real conversations about what it's like to actually grind through the minor leagues. So I, I mean, I can't thank him enough. Just all the, Stuff he's given me, just all the knowledge he's given me, it's it's helped me more than I can imagine.
0: Then, if you don't mind, I'd like to take the left-handed hitting you and leave him outside, please. I'd like to yeah. invite in only the right-handed hitting you because you switchers yeah. are courageous. Um, tell me a little bit about who you are, the right-handed hitting you, and you can go mechanical if you want. Uh, the right-handed hitting you, tell me about you.
4: So, right hand me is my dominant side. I've I've always hit righty my whole life, and I feel like things just feel a little easier sometimes right-handed just because my right hand is dominant so the swing comes for me a little bit easier so I mean I just try to be as consistent as I can at the plate because especially when while switch hitting you can go a while without hitting from one side so but it I think that helps that it's my right side because I can I feel more coordinated on that side when I don't go those long periods of times while hitting right-handed but yeah, I I really just try to keep it as simple as possible from both sides. Just try to get a pitch I can hit and hit a line drive up the middle.
0: Okay, so I, I've met the right-handed hitting you, and you snuck a peek a little bit, but he seems disciplined. Um, he seems comfortable. You know, he seems safe there. Yeah. As we bring in the left-handed hitting you into the room, is he a little bit more of a risk taker? Is he a little bit more edgy? Tell me about the left-handed hitting you.
4: I'd say a little more, a little more edgy, but I think it's just for me, it's just all about consistency. I've, I've been hitting lefty for five or six years now. So I feel like it's still work in progress. And I mean, I, I always do a little bit extra work on the left side, but I, I've been feeling some things lately that have been going really well. So I'm really excited about this upcoming year.
0: Do tell, do tell, you can't say you've been feeling some things and not expound <laughs> upon it. We don't do that here. Just, uh, do tell, what have you been feeling? That's good.
4: Just, I've been working on my backside and just being able to stay in my legs and just let my swing play. So it's really just freeing it up and getting out of my head, just let my swing play.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. I think maybe one of the last things for me, Zane, is looking at the season you had last year. You earned SEC all-defensive team for your play at third base. You led your team in batting average on base percentage. Obviously, room for improvement, right? Which we all are, I think, always grateful for the opportunity to improve. And it sounds like you're doing some of that. But when you look ahead to 2022 season, what is the one thing that you're hoping? to improve on your game and that you hope we notice as well
4: uh I've been working a lot on my speed and just athleticism and strength but my my biggest goal is just to be more consistent because you know it's a long season and sometimes the biggest difference is making one of those 0 for 4 days maybe a 1 for 4 so that stuff builds up over the course of the season so I I'm confident in my abilities, but I just, I want to be more consistent throughout the year.
0: And and I want to, I want to end in a a little bit of a journey back in time, if you don't mind. Um, We talked about the little league world series. I want to go maybe one year later than that and and talk about, you played at a 14 u national championship with a bunch of dudes from Knights nation. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. So that was kind of the first time you played at a PG event. You'd already played travel ball and you'd already played a ton of baseball heck, you'd homered in the Little League World Series in a Grand Slam. But you go to that event, and I was just playing with that roster, like Dominic Pianto, who's at Michigan State, Austin Kasich, who has gone on to play, Garrett Schultz, Xavier, McIlvain, Chris McIlvain, who's at Vanderbilt. I mean, you landed on a pretty darn good travel team for your first ever PG event. Who who was the young Zane Denton back then when he was 14 and trying to figure it all out?
4: I'd say Chris McIlvain. He was he was a very, very good player when we were young. He still is. He's still a great player, but he was, he was just grown before everybody else. He was throwing about 90 when we were 14. It was, (laughs) it was just, it was really fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All these dudes have turned out to be pretty darn good, right? I mean, the Schultz Schultz hit five bombs at Xavier last year and uh, Dominic's gone on to Michigan state. Um, Well, listen, man. Hey, by the way, is, is miles moose? With the nickname situation,
5: because yes. Yep. Yes. you right.
0: left him off, I wanted to make sure you know that he, yeah. you know, we know that Miles is Moose. We got that right.
4: Yep. Okay. Good. Bruce, good. Zeus, Juice, and Moose.
1: Moose, love mousse it.
0: the best. I like <laughs> Moose the best.
1: Oh, Thank so you, good. Zane, thank you so much for hopping on and and sharing with us. We're excited to watch you grow, but your family, clearly, you know, the love you guys have for the game, it's, it's palpable. So thanks for sharing with us.
4: Thank you guys so much.
0: Besides eggnog that's spiked and certainly gingerbread cookies that are really frosted up, there's nothing better than a mock draft. I mean, it screams holiday season. You want a mock draft in your stocking. It's something you don't need a receipt for. You don't return it because who in the world doesn't want to talk about who might be drafted high next year? I know the athletes love it. They can say they don't, but they do. So Brian Sikowski with his explanation as he opens up his notebook and talks about perfect games, mock draft for the 2022 draft.
6: Last week, we released the first Uh, 2022 mock draft of the 2022 draft cycle uh kind of a cap on what was a big draft week for us at perfect game uh with various lists being updated the different draft boards for the next three classes coming out and we kind of capped it off with a mock draft that uh used five or six of our scouts we kind of took turns playing gms this wasn't any sort of actual projection of things it's far too early for that but it's still something to uh to kind of give an idea of, of players viewed and the range of, of where your team might be picking, that sort of thing. Um, Brooks Lee, the shortstop from Cal Poly, went first. He's not number one on our board, but Vinny picking four for the Orioles. It makes sense. The Orioles have proven that they're going to take a college guy high up the board, save a little bit of money on him, try and, and pay that off later with prep guys. Lee makes a lot of sense there from where we stand. Uh, but then it was kind of a story of high school guys after that. Uh, Tamar Johnson went second to the Diamondbacks. That's Tyler Russo's pick. Elijah Green went third to the Rangers. That's Jared Jared Goodwin's pick. Uh, Then Dylan Lesko, fourth to the Pirates. Andrew Jones, fifth to the Nationals. My first pick was at six. I went with Chase DeLauder. Uh, He was the top college guy on our 2022 draft board this year, the one we just updated. A lot of boxes checked there as a power bat, left handed hitter who can play the outfield, good runner. Lots of things to like there. Um, but the story of the draft, as as it looks right now, prep arms are going to be interesting further down the board. Uh, I think some of these guys have a chance to sneak in into the top ten, even some of these guys. Jackson Ferris, the left-handed pitcher from IMG. Uh, he's one of the ones you have to talk about. Brandon Barrera, lefty from American Heritage um Brock Porter the righty from St. Mary's there's any number of of, of prep arms I think in this class that have a chance to jump up depending on how they do in the spring um for example guys that were further down the board that I thought were great values the Red Sox at 24 um our scout in the deep south Cole Olinger took Noah Schultz there the the prep lefty from Illinois I think that's got a, a guy who's got a chance to go way further than that um Jared Goodwin picked for the Astros he took Andrew Dukenich um, the right-handed pitcher from Indiana, that's another prep arm. That Here he goes 28th. I think he's got a chance to go higher than that. And you could find that up and down the board when it comes to these prep arms. It's a really intriguing class of prep arms. Uh, Ian Ritchie Jr. went 30th to the Dodgers. That's another Colt pick. Um, to, yeah, to, to sum it up, I think that this is one of the classes where the, the bats tell the story at the top, both college and arm. You can't talk about this draft without talking about Elijah Green, Tamar Johnson, Brooks Lee, Chase DeLauter, Andrew Jones, those are all bats. That's the top of the class. But immediately following those bats, I think there's any number of prep and college arms that are maybe a little bit overshadowed right now, but certainly won't be heading into the spring.
0: Every week, give or take some time, if you hop on at 10 o'clock Eastern on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, you'll hear perfect game college baseball. Then right after a perfect game college softball, But Perfect Game College Baseball is co-hosted by Hunter Pence. You know, I host it. Either I do or Danny does. And Hunter always is such a great learner. That's what I learned about him in 2021. He's got his notebook out. He's leaning into the shot when we do the interview on Zoom. He's asking questions. He's paying attention. And um, I thought this was very interesting because Ben Hall has done such an amazing job at an HBCU with such a rich tradition look there their band is amazing their homecomings like the homecoming of the world it's the greatest but he coaches the baseball team there you're going to be intrigued to hear what Hunter Pence talks with Ben Hall about on this slice of pie that is perfect game college baseball
5: it definitely is nice Ben when you get to see him with your own eyes instead of you know, cameras and streams and, and whatnot. So um that's definitely good to hear that we're starting to get more of that going on. But I wanted to ask you, uh, kind of what Darren was hitting on is how how much you turned this program around, uh, North Carolina, North Carolina AT. And the one thing that was super amazing and and, and you're kind of a, a hitting guy is is how much a lot of your players improved in hitting. So I have to ask, kind of uh what are what's part of your process and your principles to you know, basically a hitting team approach and, and improving uh, each and every individual hitter. Uh, you know, year in and year out.
7: Yeah, well, I mean, we we definitely had a long uphill battle when I got here. We we had some, uh, you know, that most people don't realize where we came from. And and when I first got here, I mean, I tell people all the time. I my first year as an interim coach, we won ten games. And most people don't realize how brutal that is when you know, especially they don't realize you're playing fifty two. But um, but it we just tried to – I tried to establish a development-centric environment where, you know, when I took over, we, we – we, you know, you, you couldn't recruit. There's no free agent portal at that time. You got who you got, and you got to get them better. And so, you know, offensively, I've always just tried to pride myself on not being afraid to teach, um, you know, get these guys. And in, in, in no matter who they are, they all got to develop especially when they come out of high school you know the 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 jump from being a high school hitter to a division one hitter is is a huge leap and you see it across the board man you know from the top teams in the country down to mid-major division two level man freshmen always struggle in some form so um you know just trying to make sure that guys we we establish an aggressive mindset and you know we we really preach you know flat and i'm not afraid to teach the swing and get in and and work with those guys and make sure that they're creating opportunities for them to be successful consistently you know uh, a lot you know middle of the field line drive approach uh keep them aggressive um uh, you know not a big believer in in seeing a lot of pitches i love to see our guys get up there and, and let it go and do their do their work prior to getting in the box so um, you know we've seen some guys make some good strides here offensively and I still I still believe we we haven't really tapped what I felt like we we could yet still you know I think there's more offensive ability at times that we we could have done even better you know through the course of these years but um overall just proud we were able to not just develop the team in one area but we we've been really solid last few years all three phases pitching and defense and hitting and so you know just trying to grow as a, as a head coach where you're not just focused on one thing and you're developing these guys, you know, all three phases.
5: Yeah, that's a, that's a definitely amazing stuff, Ben. And, and and as you bring that up, I, I had just kind of thought of this for you know how you came in and what you had to to do. And like, like you said, you still got to do the pitching, and and y'all been really good at all three. Um, what is some of the greatest challenges of being a head coach in in college? Yeah. Uh,
7: well, I mean, I was 31 when I got the head job here technically. So, you know, I think when you're an assistant, you don't realize all those other things that that kind of get thrown on your desk, Um, you know, from a management sense and, you know, dealing with administration and, and, you know, fundraising and all the different things that, that encompass being the head, the head in the head coach position. But I think really the most important thing that I've learned was that your words matter a lot more when you're a head coach and um you have to be able to set the right direction with everything you say because you're not just setting the direction for a group of pitchers or maybe 10 hitters or just my infielders you know i mean if i if i say something and that's what we're going to do it's going to affect all 35 guys of our program plus coaches plus support staff plus you know on down the line so um, just learning through the the trial and error when i first took over of like hey, if, if, if you're confident in what you're doing and you're prepared for it, then you got to say it and then you got to believe it and make sure that, you know, that you're leading by example, you know. And so um, I still tell recruits all the time, I'm technically a head coach, but I'm an assistant at heart. And so just because I'm making the head coach decisions doesn't mean that I'm not out in the cage and I'm not grinding it out like an assistant. And I think that's what's given me, or at least given us the ability to maintain that, that true player coach. And then obviously, you know, now your, your words just carry more weight, but you know, I'm still just an assistant at heart.
0: So I never know the rules. And by the way, amazing show you produced. Um, I never know the rules. Don't know that I'm too concerned about them. And I try not to talk about self very much because we love talking about these athletes, but I wanted to thank, since I have a little platform here um, major league baseball's hall of fame and uh, Josh Rowich, who's the president of the hall of fame. Uh, within the last week or so, he allowed, allowed me and my stepdaughter, Lexi, to come visit in the same year my father passed away, Don Sutton, the Hall of Famer, uh, in 2021, to go to the hall. And I'd never been. I had been out in the fields where he was abducted in 1998, but I'd never been inside. I didn't have time. I left that day. And Josh was amazing. And he brought up my father's glove and hat from his 300th win, and um, he was great, and we walked through the hall, spent the entire day at the hall, like literally every single moment. We went to the Otisaga Hotel. We looked at the wine glass that my father used as a Hall of Famer. There was a white rose in that wine glass, and uh, a fresh one put in every day, 365 days passing uh, his death and his, his passing away, so I want to thank them. It is a baseball subject, so it's a little bend, but I wanted to take this platform to do it, and what makes me want to do it is that when I was in Jupiter and we were in Jupiter at the Worldwood Bat Association World Championship, I went uh, on an outfield walk and talk with one of the top shortstops in the country, Jason Jones. And I asked him what his ultimate goal was. What's your, what's your goal? You know, is it the draft? Is it you know, college baseball, Rosenblad Stadium? Uh, is it you know, winning the College World Series? It's, I want to be a Hall of Famer, he said clearly. And so that's pretty cool to put both ends of the spectrum of what we get to do for our job. Being at the Hall of Fame, seeing where Jason Jones wants to go when he's only 17, 18 years old, and honoring my dad. So, a tip of the cap to uh, to the folks at the Hall of Fame. It was an amazing opportunity, uh, and just thought I'd take the back end of this uh, amazing podcast you produced, Danny, to use our platform to thank them.
1: You should always use our platform for good, and I've really never known you to follow the rules anyway. So I'm glad that you are doing. You've seen my you...
0: Wikipedia page, yes? Yeah.
1: I know you. I know you. And I am thrilled that you had the opportunity to do that, especially with Lexi and with family who appreciates it so much. I mean, that's so cool. Josh is incredible. What a great human in the sport and in the game that I'm glad you got to do that. What a great like end of the year celebration, especially for your dad as well. So very cool. You did that. Um, this podcast is great. Thanks for listening to it with us and share it and comment and subscribe and like and give us some love cuz we love you guys. <laughs> yeah, Happy, new, Happy year. new
0: year. We're going to be by the end of 22 the number one podcast <laughs> in my office.
1: <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Have a great yes. year everybody.
0: <laughs> Peace love and we germ <laughs>